0: Ready,
1: Dave? Hey, everybody. Hey,
2: everybody. You beat me. You beat me to it.
1: Oh, it gave me a headache.
2: This is... Go ahead. My voice gives you a headache? Yeah. Yeah. Your doctor has told you to stop uh, listening to my voice, right? This is Don't Let's Start, a podcast. Did you know that was a song of theirs, Dave? I wonder if anyone caught that. Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants, the band that we love to hate, uh, <laughs> to love. Yes. This is a special episode. So special. I, I say that every time. They're all special. They are because they're complicated to, Difficult. Put, to, to put together. I'm seeing my friend who I usually yeah. haven't seen in a, a few weeks. I, That's
1: what makes it special.
2: And also because I'm doing something instead of yes. watching the TV. Yeah. Watching YouTube clips all night. Watching pitch meetings. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> little shout out. Good show. To a funny thing. Okay, what is this episode? This is what is this episode? Uh, it's going to be titled something along the lines of TMBG in the in the touring years from 1990 to 92. A little. That's a terrible <laughs> title. Little. Some. It's. I'm going to use. That's I, a long title. I'm going to keep all the stumbling <laughs> in and and breaths. I know that sounds like a tiny sliver of TMBG's long career. But it's actually an extremely important era for them because they might be giants, get a band. band. And this was funny to me because most bands are a band. (laughs) This isn't normally something you celebrate or discuss or analyze or complain about, as some fans might have done.
1: But for TMBG, this is a big damn deal.
2: This is a big, yeah, this is the biggest deal ever, really. We talked to Bill Krause. He said they tried having band members at first. I think they said they rehearsed a bass player or even Bill on bass. I I can't remember. My memory's fuzzy. Sorry, Bill, if you're listening. And Bill had interesting things to say about that, actually, in the gigantic documentary. He was a little critical of of them getting a band. Mm -hmm. And I think he, he captured... Sort of the conflict a lot of fans had. Probably don't anymore because of them having yeah. a band is, is the default at this point.
1: It's hard to imagine because we got into them after they had a band established well already.
2: Where do you think your head would be at if you were like a fan in like 92, yeah. 93, and then they got a... Well, so there's two separate issues. There's the live band, but let's say they got a live band, but then still made albums the same old way right? with uh, a basically the, these... Uh, Elaborate multi tracks things that they do everything on mostly. Where would your head be at? Would you feel like it's a it's a betrayal? Would you feel like it's a or an evolution? An evolution. Yeah, or- it's hard
1: to say because I th- it you get so used to something being a certain way that special formula you know i've been a fan of bands that have changed uh formats and not liked it so I, oh,
3: like
2: what
1: <laughs> well you know when like metallica had load and reload come out
2: <laughs> <laughs> what happened between load and reload i must know i think the fans are our listeners are demanding to know what happened between load and yeah, well, reload people
1: well even as far back <laughs> as the black album people just thought that their sound was totally different and this is basically what we're talking about is like Straying away from is it that
2: they got more poppy? They got more mainstream sounding. People
1: thought the black album was a little more mainstream. You know, the songs weren't nine, ten minute, ten minute. The songs (laughs) weren't seven or eight minute. It's uh, like a
2: Polish minute or something. (laughs)
1: weren't uh these long epics uh they thought they weren't as fast they weren't as heavy shorter songs more production value you know they finally had a little little scratch in the bank um, uh,
2: you know (laughs) because well like the songs i know from them are on mtv and they're enter sandman and is that like a bad one for fans because it was like a catchy
1: well it's weird it's like kind of a interesting issue when your band that you've known a long time gets popular not my band when a band gets popular yeah and
2: your band started uh, popular. Yes, you never got popular. Totally
1: downward spiral. But yeah,
2: well,
1: it's like what we we're talking about with Istanbul and Particle Man and all that. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, we have people who aren't the real fans. They like the <laughs> the stuff that uh, you see on friggin' Tiny Tunes or whatever. I didn't say that. <laughs> did, did I say that?
2: <laughs> no, I didn't. I was very careful in those episodes. Well, so it's yeah, a tricky issue. As somebody who. Um, every day stalks TMBG Twitter to see what people I didn't are. want to bring
1: up Metallica this soon. I'm trying not to talk <laughs> yeah, about wow. them as much.
2: Yeah, uh, Istanbul and Parle remain there. These huge things that everyone, at least in, in Twitter, uh, constantly reference. Right. And like the other day I saw a tweet, I think I told you this, but I, uh, I saw a tweet that was just like, my two favorite They Might Be Giant songs are Istanbul and Why Does the Sun Shine? And yeah. I was like, the ones they didn't write? Like, that's just so right. strange. I don't understand that personally. But that's fine. So yeah, there there was a vague feeling of the idea that getting a band would be selling out.
0: Oh. Oh. We can play this song in any key, you know.
4: Because
0: we're a live band with real. <laughs> We've capitulated the popular demand. We don't use tape anymore. We've sold out. Thank you.
1: Yeah, we sell out every night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but you like, does that sound like an audience that's mad that they are no? Not, are, no, like it's crazy. No. It's crazy to think that. It's crazy. No, I think as Bill Krauss implies in gigantic. He kind of implies he. I think he just says like something was lost. A
1: homemade feel. Yeah. So like thing. what?
2: I guess what I kind of wanted to to broadly do is like a pros and cons. Thing, yeah. Right. And I think there's more pros
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> than cons. This is an interesting clip actually from an interview in 1990 where they say they will not get a band, not in the cards. Wow. And uh, let, let's listen
5: to Those that. Fucking liars. <laughs> do you anticipate at all working with other musicians in a live situation?
6: Uh, no. Partially because. It just, we're very used to this. And um, I think, actually, as time has gone on, we started, we've actually started working more in a duo, like doing this kind of what we just did. It's something that we actually do in the show more often. Mm-hmm. And it started out, I think we really kind of wanted to, you know, have the look and feel of a genuine rock band. And I think more and more we realized that, actually, one thing that's really positive about what we're doing is that it's actually small format. So.
5: well, and, and it's also one of the things that, that makes you guys unique, um, that you don't have that look and feel of a, right. of a rock band. Well, well, yeah, we were we were misguided when we wanted
6: to do that anyway. So,
0: it's true. It no. makes them more unique. Someone in the audience has just announced that we're using tape in the show as the background. I can't believe that they've given away our secret. We're just going to have to crumple up in shame now.
2: There's almost like a self-deprecating feel to the tape machine days because they're two guys with a tape. It's almost cute. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're rocking out and Flansburg's... It's understated. Yeah, yeah. Flansburg's rocking like crazy Yeah. Uh, on his end. Linnell's got the accordion on his end, which is like, as you would say, a hat on a hat. <laughs> I, would, I would? You've been saying that a lot lately. I never said I that keep in my track. Life. <laughs> I keep tabs of the things you say. <laughs> I have a file. Whoa. So, like, you're adding an accordion, which is not a... Nowadays, it's not as big a deal, because I think no one cares anymore. But, like, you know, it's not a typical rock instrument, especially back in the 80s. I think that's when fair. There's yeah. a lot of metal and hair bands and all this crap.
1: Speaking of metal... No, go ahead.
2: Metallica. Um, so, what I mean is, you know, you, you listen to some of these, these tape machine shows. It sort of depends how it's mixed but sometimes they they do feel like they rock out, but a lot of times they feel a little small. Mm-hmm. They feel a little um a little tight, <laughs> a little small, yeah. a little restrained, despite Flansburg's going nuts on the guitar. And I think yeah. I think that's part of the contrast is intentional there. So you've got like a drum machine under them, and then Flansburg's especially in the early days, like really wild guitar mm-hmm. playing that was like particularly like sloppy in a good way, like really nuts. And I think that contrast was important to what they were. Yeah. There's a few other reasons, though, that they they didn't have a band at the beginning. Let's listen to them talking about that. There's a, <laughs> that's a bad segue, right? <laughs> oh, man. I see people, maybe this should be a video show. You should see Dave's face. Because Dave would make a really good, he'd make good memes, like in a forum. If someone says something dumb, just like use a gif of Dave. I- looking like very unimpressed <laughs> and very uh yeah
1: despite being unimpressed i'm still listening and enjoying my time here at
2: least the here. least, the least you, <laughs> yeah um yeah thank you for not taking your headphones off and leaving the room <laughs> okay here let's listen to this let's listen to them talk about the those early days and and why they couldn't really get a band or why they chose not to get a band. Okay. That's all the eternal question. Was it a choice or was it not a choice?
1: Or were they sort of like the hermit crab outgrowing their shell and they just could oh. only go so far as a duo? Had they reached the wall, a ceiling, not a wall, maybe both.
6: Uh, well, we had been on the road for like a, a long time. In, in 1990, we toured the world and did like hundreds, literally hundreds of shows in like one year. And it was like this, we had done this duo show so much that it felt like we needed to kind of change it up and uh, the easiest way to change it up was just by bringing in other people. We were also playing in theaters. When we started we were playing in clubs and, and working with the drum machine and then all of a sudden when you're playing in theaters and, and the people in the back literally can barely see you there seemed like actually something about that presentation that suddenly seemed like maybe less authentic or less less complete. We, it, wasn't an, it wasn't an intimate show anymore so basically the our situation changed in a very real way. And, I, and we kind of were responding to that.
2: I listened to tons of shows right around the transition point, And they're very interesting to me because while they're super fun, you f- you can see the crab, you can hear the crab yeah. trying to escape the shell. And I'll, I'll play some examples of that. But, but like, let's let's listen to this and then we'll, we'll talk about that.
1: Okay, let's listen to this. We'll talk <laughs> this about and
2: that. that. This is what you're, you're listening this and to that. this and that with Dave and Jordan, okay. <laughs> I think if
0: we'd started out with a band, we would have been much more intimidated mm-hmm. by the whole process. And- we'll yeah, in a way, it, w- it was kind of a relief for us when we started to not have to th- think about how to
6: convince anybody else to go along with what we were doing. I mean, it would have probably been a lot easier to dilute the, you know, the sort of impulses that we follow on a pretty regular basis if we had to justify them and say, like, yeah, we're doing this gig and it's a terrible gig and we're not making any money and we're on a really slow path to success but we're going to do it this way. You know, it wouldn't have been a very compelling argument.
2: So I think we both have a lot to say about that. Oh
6: boy. Feel that one.
2: Dave's still got a band. Yeah. It's, it's a little fractured because of COVID, but you've still, they're still, they're hanging in there and they're excited about your, your new songs and stuff. As as you've told me, they're very, um, they're actually very non-passive participants in your, your music. They're very interested.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, one of the things we do talk about sometimes related to that clip is getting another guitar player and, we always come back to the more people that are involved, <laughs>
2: the more difficult it'll be to do. Yeah, we've um we've both played shows with bands that have like twelve people in them. And I asked possible. them how the hell do you organize twelve yeah. people doing I mean, I think we might talk to Kurt Hoffman about that too. Right. Yeah, yeah. As you know They break I, up. <laughs> I'm like an extremely uh, I was at least an extremely prolific songwriter with a lot of energy to have a band, but I, it was very hard for me to yeah. keep it going and to find people. It took me years. Because like, it's funny, because I look yeah. at my own files and I've got, it's all these solo shows. And then 2005 is the first band show, which is with you yeah. and our friend Daniel on drums. And Lucky you knew me and those, played bass. But those, like two or three years before that band show was me Actively looking for a drummer, really trying. And I put up flyers and I, I did as much as I could possibly think to do. And it just never, it didn't happen for a long time. And then when you have a band, it's really hard planning every single thing you want to yeah, do. Keep it
1: together. And like they say in that clip, if this mm-hmm. gig's not going to be that great, is morale going to start dipping? You have to work twice as hard, say, to keep interest. And at least when you don't have traction, do new things within your band. And, you know, as people get older and uh, we have more responsibilities, it's harder to get people together. But it's really hard to keep people committed to this thing for so long. And I think they were feeling a little bit of that, too. Like, are we going to bring outside people in this project of ours? Especially they were saying something like theirs that's a
6: little outside of the box. Yeah.
1: It's going to be hard to get people on board.
6: We've had, we're on our third trumpet player now. Wow. And the first two both uh you know went to the you know heavy fatherhood thing it's a much more social experience i mean you realize you know everybody everybody is you know i guess john and i have always been so concentrated on this project we always just think like we're in a band you know and it's very it's very focused thing um right some people actually have have lives. (laughs) (laughs)
0: right (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) well you're not in a band (laughs) you care about other stuff too what a loser i can't believe you man. man that's weird
2: Yeah, then you have to run everything by someone and you have to, it's a little more of, I think with They Might Be Giants, it's not quite a democracy because they really are in charge, but you still have an element of like everything we do. Now I have to tell someone I'm going to, we're going to do it and we have to.
1: You want everyone to be happy.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was really hard with all the times I've had bands. So now my drummer emails me drums. And I have to pay him, which, but he deserves the money. But it's like it didn't used to be that like it used to be just like guys having fun, and yeah. now it's it's like a, a couple of guys palling around. Now I'm hiring him, you know. Me, yeah. and, me and Dave pay each other in like pizza when we <laughs> exactly <laughs> when we do stuff
6: for each other. I haven't other. made a dime. To a certain extent, I think anybody who works with them, i is coming into a situation where you've got two guys who've been working together for ten years, and you're going to be, you know, you're going to you know, be a side. Side, you're going to be a, a side man. I mean, it's not it's not the worst gig in the world. I mean. You know, we do. You guys, we, I mean, we like, do have the gimmick of uh, of, of paying people, which is mean, that's nice. Certainly softens the blow.
2: So okay, so so let's go from that to, to this. <laughs> this is that and this. Mm-hmm. Jordan and Dave. That's the rival show. So let's let me set the scene, Dave. They're torn for flood now. Nineteen ninety.
1: Is that torn with an n apostrophe?
2: Yeah, that's right. Torin for flood. All right. And they're 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 skateboarding. They they look really ra- they look really radical at that time. They're touring Flood, and, and they've, they're they still doing their thing. But here's what happens, and this is what I really heard in a lot of these clips. Um, they're getting more popular. Mm-hmm. The audience is growing. And suddenly, this might be a understatement, but they're vastly outnumbered <laughs> at their shows. Interesting. Two against thousands.
0: I can see... We're trying to decide whether we should be nervous because there are so many people or relaxed because so many people turned out to our show that it's a big compliment. I think the answer lies somewhere in between. This
6: song is called Your Racist Friend.
2: And I think this is like a key... uh, Listen to Linnell in some of these clips because he seems like... I will. He seems a little terrified of the... The energy of the crowd, which I think is very on brand for Linnell. <laughs> Flansburg, probably loved it. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess I guess all two thousand people who bought our first album are here tonight, and we just want to say thanks.
2: So that's an interesting clip to me because, like, he—it's like he can't even comprehend. It's like he can't—they're very humble. I mean, I actually find that like a really nice quality, but they can't even. He's still thinking about when they put out their first album and they were such a local act and they had like a a kind of a way, like a lot of support from a small group. This one I thought was funny, which is just how the audience this is kind of what I mean when I say it's the band against the audience. The audience really drowns them out when he's trying to introduce the song here and you hear him react to that. Just
1: tell him to shut the fuck up. This
5: song is called Someone Keeps Moving.
4: Once again, that's Someone Keeps Moving right here. Jesus. (laughs)
2: Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're surrounded on all sides <laughs> by fans.
1: Wow, ominous.
2: Something that happens to me all the time when I walk down the street. I think it started to percolate in their mind. This is just me theorizing, but yeah. I, I feel like this the crazy flood tour when they were really, really getting popular. So yeah, it's starting. To, I think to them, it's starting to feel like a bit of a almost like a little bit of a freak show. <laughs> like there's just
3: all I mean, these,
1: that sounds
2: great.
3: We st- we stopped playing clubs which held two hundred people and started playing theaters that held like 2,000 people. So the distance of the audience from us was really huge. So people couldn't really see necessarily see us as directly, and what was like a very charming cabaret kind of show Mm -hmm. that seemed very non-illusionistic suddenly turned into something much bigger. We were nervous that the, the drum machine part of it didn't really scale in that traditional sense. Then you have the Milli Vanilli Event where all of a sudden like going from being like an electronic music act to being what would be perceived as like a tape act or like a you know like a track act got really blurred so there's this huge sort of negative topspin on just working with any anything pre-recorded seemed like very phony we weren't really worried about whether it seemed phony to people or not like we just were like these are our original songs. Like, are they not original enough for you? Like, you know, we're doing something that's very much our own thing, but, but, you know, the culture around us was shifting. And then finally, you know, it was like the grunge moment and everybody was like, you know, the stage volumes were changing radically. Mm -hmm. We were doing all sorts of festival shows with, you know, in front of huge audiences and the whole rock culture was changing. So, We thought, like, well, this would be an interesting time to, like, experiment and see, like, what it would be like to have a live act.
1: I mean, my my band in this situation would only be one more person. Yeah, that small. No,
2: that's that's (laughs) very true. Same with me. My my band was has always been three people. It's funny just what a drum kit does, though, to the, the energy of a of a show.
1: Yes, that is, that's a good point.
2: Yeah. Um, that is a point. So a few other things they did during these, this flood tour in 1990, they did strip things down even more because I yeah. think one thing, I feel like the reason that the them with the tape machine backup is so interesting and strange and maybe hard to work with is because it's, it's, not, it's kind of in the middle of two extremes because you can do the acoustic duo act or you mm-hmm. can do a rock band and the right. tape machine is them trying to do both. But at these shows they also did they did a lot of songs the metronome just okay. a metronome on stage I think it was oh, like yeah. yeah I think it was like on a stool
0: It's a metronome it's shy
2: The thing that's interesting to me about how they would introduce it, and they still do this sort of thing today, actually, with like the Glockenspiel and mm-hmm. stuff, is that you know they're they're all getting everyone really excited and revved up about the rock metronome, right? And I think this is funny. sort of a <laughs> funny, funny stuff. Yeah, <laughs> um, funny if true. We'll sign you to an exclusive contract. I think this actually says a lot about all the things we're talking about, which is like, I hope so. <laughs> are they a, <laughs> are they a parody of a rock band? Are they an ironic sort of rock band kind of thing?
5: Remove him. <laughs> <laughs> need <to> yeah. <laughs> Where your eyes don't go, feel
2: They would do Where Your Eyes Don't Go with the rock metronome, which is actually like a really nice way to do that song.
1: And it helps keep you in time.
2: <laughs> That's right.
0: Back in their hands. <laughs> go eyes go.
2: Well. So it's like they're they're stripping down mm-hmm. even their tape machine back up yeah. to like the bare. I mean it's 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 definitely like kind of fits in with their artsy thing of they're stripping it to its bare point, which is we're keeping time. <laughs> There's layers of irony with them yelling about the rock metronome, uh-huh. and there's layers of irony in things like this, like here's a, here's after they do Hotel Detective, okay. which actually for a tape machine was always a pretty raucous song they sure. did. But like, and Linnell does this kind of thing a lot in their shows, which I find interesting. he does this uh sarcastic rock voice thank you right at, at, and i have him doing that after like mammal and other jokey things okay just the idea that it's like it's almost like they're too smart to be a rock band mm-hmm. you know it's like we're too we're too intellectual to be like a dumb rock band that goes thank you we right. love you and they do that kind of they make fun of bands who do that sort of thing like it's great to be here you know sure funny to just think that it's like that's something to be made fun of in the first place because it's like you're just like revving up a crowd yeah the thing about getting a band now they kind of unironically do rev up a crowd and yeah they, and, and they, I see you get where I'm okay that was a long walk but yeah. I get it yeah you're losing the the artsiness
1: it's a deep betrayal <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's what that's, that's really, what you're saying. That's really what. Well, that's I think what we're both saying.
1: Fans should rise up. Yeah. Where do you go when you get so big that you need to be that rock thing that you're almost making fun of?
2: Yeah, you either die a hero or live long enough to. to yeah, it's kind of like, like like an indie filmmaker who like makes a movie yeah. that's kind of ironic and low budget, but then. They, then, they make a, loves it. then they make a Marvel movie, yeah. <laughs> and is is that selling out? I don't I don't think so. I think I think there's probably rare examples of people. You selling You only out. sell
1: out if you do something specifically for a lot of money or for a bigger audience that you wouldn't have done. That you anyway. wouldn't
2: have done. That's the key that you yeah. wouldn't have. That
1: done. goes against your principles or your artistic vision. Mm-hmm. If you get more money just because people like what you do, that's kind of not really up to you. Exactly. That's for the market to decide. Guess what the market said about this guy you (laughs) they said no thank you sir
2: (laughs) (laughs) do you have the number for the market i'm curious what they say (laughs) about me the other thing i think that was pushing them away from the tape machine thing uh not to not to like beat the dead horse because we talked about this in our live 80s show but is the tape machine fuck-ups sure let's just (laughs) let's only listen to like two from these these i'm sorry guys you do sense the frustration and you with a real band. it's not that a real band doesn't fuck up but I feel like there's something like particularly awkward when <laughs> it's a tape machine that messes up. And then you yeah. it's like, it's like you, when
1: the projector goes out, yeah. it's like, hold on, folks. Yeah. The, song called,
5: the song is called She Wants to See You Again, Slowly Twisting in the Wind.
2: So what happened there is the first click was like muted or not faded up. They started on the second <laughs> click and it messes up the whole thing and it's like annoying. Did you ever have to restart a song live? Because yeah, I'm, I'm
1: scratching my brain and I I, I don't think I've ever actually restarted to restart because that's like a big... I did. Oh boy. I
2: did at a solo show. I had a really... With a band. No, not with a band. Yeah. But I had a really bad solo show once that I did after I was, had been awake for almost 24 hours <laughs> and I was exhausted mm. and I forgot almost all of my lyrics and it's a horrible feeling it is really awful
1: adele did it remember when adele did it at the grammys i was like i've never seen that in awards wow yeah she's like fuck this i'm doing it again man that's
2: right i do remember that
1: and i was like wait you could do that yeah and
2: now
5: here's a song that we never played public
0: that's right it's bottom of the barrel time
4: Stop!
6: Stop! 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 Let's start over. behind the other reels of CLA,
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think most audiences are pretty supportive and yeah. just find it fun when these things happen. But I feel like. I, I'm just kind of theorizing that these are the things that push them in yeah. the direction of, of getting a band.
1: You think they did a pro-con list? Like...
2: <laughs> <laughs> like me? Yeah, yeah con. They, they sat down with The machine
1: breaks down. Yeah. Con, we'll have to talk to other people.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, that's true. I guess I guess part of my point here is showing that it's actually a very natural yeah. uh, evolution rather than a thing they probably, like, figured out and labored over. They probably just
1: got bored after a while, too. It's like, for such an innovative band... Mm-hmm. How could they do the same thing over and over again for 10 years, even if it is crucial to their act?
2: So now we're moving to Apollo 18. So they spent 91, a lot of 91, recording and writing Apollo 18. And then they start the Apollo 18 tour, which was called Don't Tread on the Cut Up Snake World tour.
5: Very strange. What is the name of the tour this time? You guys always have some something. Sort of uh this tour is called the uh
6: Don't Trade on the Cut Up Snake World Tour nineteen ninety two. The record company made us add the World Tour part. I would think putting that on the back of the
5: jacket would be tricky.
6: That's Oh, uh, there's plenty of room. With a name like they might be giants, you know, there's always room.
1: I get it.
2: Uh
6: do you get it?
1: Explain I, to I me. I thought I did. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
2: what's the what's the gag
1: it's uh, it's a uh, play on don't tread on me the image for don't tread on me is a snake all cut up to represent the uh colonies
2: yeah it's a ben franklin thing yeah. you can buy the flag on amazon dave of a cut up snake it's called join the flag yeah. says join or die revolutionary war ben franklin historic thing about the colonies
1: yeah that's, I, I said that
2: so their, their tour was it's been a long day. It, for some reason, it, in reference to that. So they start the Apollo 18 tour. I mean, this is very unusual for a band, actually. They start the tour with the tape machine, mm-hmm. and then they took a little break and then got a band. Oh, wow. But let, let's let's examine some of those early Apollo 18 tape machine. We did a little bit in our Apollo 18 episodes. Like, we played a, a Dig My Grave that was a drum machine version, which was kind of weird mm-hmm. live. And that's, I mean, there's almost no better example than that of, like, why it's better to play that song with the band.
1: yeah. But I was going to say, they were probably getting more ambitious musically, too, and there was, like, a limitation to the tape machine that a real drummer doesn't compare to.
5: Now, Jaren's mentioned that uh, you you made the sound bigger right. when you decided to add a band. That's true. What went into yeah. that decision?
6: Well, I, you know, it was it was completely experimental. I mean, we actually, we toured for a solid year, and we were about to go and tour for another solid year, and I think we are just trying to figure out a way to change it up. I don't think, you know, I mean, a lot of things have changed since that time, I mean, at, at that time, drum machines were a very contemporary sound. I think in a lot of ways, we're very much a pop band, and we, and we kind of do a lot of things in a similar way as everybody else, you know, it's not like we But we're does just, it
5: change what you write and how you write it, not, knowing that your nah. arrangements can now have all these different... Uh, not really, because there was a tremendous
6: amount of, I mean, as a duo, we were always accompanied by a tape that we had created, <laughs> so what we did with the tape, sometimes it was, you know, it was like the electronic... Ringo and uh, the electronic, you know, Paul backing us up, but uh, a lot of times we would have sounds, you know, vocal sounds or, or strange percussion sounds that we had created that were very specific and in some ways that's hard to, harder to reproduce on stage now I and mean, we have to really, you know, figure out uh, how to recreate those songs in a compelling way without that kind of setup it's just—it's just a slightly different. It's just different. Deal. It's, it,
0: almost, it sounded like Jorance was implying that we 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 might be immensely popular now if only we'd stuck with the, with the two guys and the computer format. And and it's hard for me to you thinking really what I'm be, thinking, John. <laughs> that's true. Although we'd be making more. <laughs> These money. These guys are
6: holding us back. <laughs> <laughs> we'd be making a
0: little more money now if we didn't have to pay anybody else. But yeah, that's about the extent of it. It was you know it was a good
6: format for us to kind of. St- I mean ask any local band out of new york city how hard it is to find to find a drummer to work with i mean it's it's a whole i mean we rehearsed in our apartments for years and years and years and it was no it was never a problem and it was very it was just the only way we could do it i mean we're just trying to figure out how to keep it going
1: i mean it's the same reason i don't use a tape machine for you know i need a real drummer to play yeah even when we do our demos like as good as fake drums are getting with programming and everything yeah. i don't think anything can replace an actual punk drummer that knows what they're Doing,
2: yeah. I'm actually see, it's funny because, like, I've actually been planning this uh album for the future, and a lot of my uh songs I like did this elaborate drum machine track that I'm like really proud of because of the patterns mm-hmm. I thought of, and I'm like actually torn. Like, do I want to throw that all away and just have my drummer email me drums yeah. and I'll lose kind of my eh, it's kind of ego, like, I thought of all these cool rhythms and stuff, yeah. It's like, I don't know, it's like better to just like let a drummer do their thing.
1: And I think the albums that they had in the beginning were really lent themselves to those crazy patterns and stuff Mm -hmm. that were almost like beyond what a normal drummer (laughs) could naturally do. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's an evolution it's evolution. In a different direction.
2: <laughs> this is a clip from Get Back. <laughs> so, yeah, so let, let's talk about some of, like, those early Apollo 18 tape shows. These, to me, when I listened to them, were really the the feeling of, like, we've done this. Yeah. You know, we've got to do something else. And what, what Flansberg talked about in, in an interview clip that I heard is, like, because they were touring Apollo 18, they were so busy, they didn't have time to think of new live things to do like thing ways to shake things up right so they they really felt like they were just kind of repeating themselves you know
1: that's that's a shame
2: (laughs) that is sad (laughs) yeah i'll I'll just play a few like examples like
1: just do it just play (laughs) them it's
2: like statue got me high for example the tape machine version that they played at a few shows it just sounds like they're following a drum machine Mm -hmm. very strictly and that's a song that i feel like it really lends itself to like it needs to break and excite- out. Yeah, it needs to break out.
4: <laughs>
2: and I think there's a great example of like the difference is like this version of Birdhouse in your soul to me sounds so small compared mm. to like the live versions that we're we're used to. Who can hear the
4: you over you? Make a little birdhouse. say i in Make a little birdhouse.
2: I, it's some, It's the robotic feel mm-hmm. is what I'm. I'm yeah. hearing there is the d- drums like dump. Like it's so perfect yeah. that it's like a little. I mean, again, that's what they were going for hmm. when they were starting out. They were going for that weird disconnect of like perfect, you know, with their weird sort of imperfect live mm-hmm. performances mm-hmm. on top of it. But like when I hear that and compare it to like a a version from only a few months later. Yeah. Taking away the robotic feel Mm -hmm. and adding like a live, (laughs) adding like a real, you're not playing to a click track. I mean, that's, I mean, thing is like I recorded an album and I, and only one song we actually recorded to a click track yeah. because we were kind of struggling with the tempo a bit but like in general i'm actually really proud that i'm like hey check out my album like no click track it's there's no tempo to there's no grid
1: i did the opposite but i'm not going to counter no but that. it's fine if you want to do to a, <laughs> play to a grid well it's funny how uptight i am considering it's a punk band
2: that's true well yeah that's sort of the that's your like we talked about their, their they might be giants contrast yeah. that's kind of the dave contrast yeah. uh, that i always think is, just... is interesting
1: full of contradictions
2: so they're doing these apollo 18 shows with the tape machine and they're they're certainly fun shows but yeah they, it, they do feel like not as exciting and it's almost like the path of band that would fizzle out you know you almost feel like if if they didn't it's like change or die as they say yeah as i say to everyone i meet and so they changed and let's talk about that they decided to get a band they auditioned people
0: well, some of them were our friends uh, initially we, we pretty much put together a band of friends and then um, gradually you know we had some of them had kids and couldn't go on the road so we started actually hiring enemies professional guys who are that's right who are our enemies who we went over to the, <laughs> the enemy camp of musicians <laughs> yeah. right so not really hostile guys right so yeah. we have to have separate vehicles and we have to have a little partition on stage Oh, that's, so like that's the what Beach boys like, thing yeah, we had you yeah. not come so many feet around on the stage yeah, and, and right that's, right. that's we got why security they're security for now. that on stage we got security so. for them to keep them away from us. Right, <laughs> exactly. And we actually, it's working
6: out really good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's weird, we've had these, We've had auditions, you know, and, and that's like a, a really strange thing for us to go through. I mean, we were, worked as a duo for 10 years, and, mm-hmm. and when we, we started working with a live rhythm section, I guess, two years ago. They
2: decided to get a band, and, you know, the... the and the rest is history.
1: The, Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We've been... Don't let's start a podcast about The Mighty Giants. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us at Twitter. Don't let's pod.
2: Let's just listen to We're talking about getting a bad. Oh, okay. Let's take some of the heat off me. Let's, let's, <laughs> here we go. That's what I was trying to do.
5: Is there any like, main reason you decided to go from a the
2: Baby interviewing them? Go? Okay, I'll pause it. This is a, this is a Q&A from... This, this is
5: <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> this is a, I'm a big fan.
2: This is a Q&A from a screening of Gigantic. And because gigantic kind of dramatized this moment in there of people like they said fans boycotted and stuff. So I have a lot of things of fans kind of dispelling that idea uh-huh. and being like, no, it was the shows were better. But let's just listen to that and let's let's listen to this adorable little girl. I think it's a girl. Uh, ask them this question. Yeah,
4: go from a two person band to like um, a whole like more than two people. Like- you
6: know, I don't even know if this is in the in the movie. It's, it's it was sort of more specific and immediate. Um, basically. Uh, when we were promoting Flood um, we toured the world for like 12 months straight which was very um, like you you don't you don't come out the same way on the other end of that kind of (laughs) life experience so we were like pretty exhausted and we had always worked uh, very actively on our show even while we were on tour like even though we were working with the drum machine we would rearrange the show and and modify things, you know, every day with the taped accompaniment that we worked with. Um, but after a year of being on the road and literally doing six shows a week for, you know, we, I think we did, you know, almost 200 shows that year, like 175 shows or something, crazy number of shows. We were very sort of exhausted from that, even though we were very well rehearsed by the end of it. Um, and it just seemed like we wanted to experiment with how the how we would put together the next thing and uh, so we just thought about bringing in side people to sort of do guest spots and that seemed almost more fussy than just putting together a little combo of musicians that would play with us and so we just we were about to go out and I, and I do and kind of do the same thing and it just seemed like an, it, an invitation to kind of experiment with the format and it worked out to be very successful It was very different it really changed the, the sense. I think the movie plays up the change maybe more than it really was felt. The general audience, like the last row rather than the first row in the crowd, was very interested in the celebratory aspect of the live band. I mean, it just had an energy and a craziness and a sonic power and that uh, people really did like. I mean, people were just dancing much more. It became less and less about, you know, kind of the... Smothers Brothers aspect of mm-hmm. me and John interacting on stage. We talked a lot. You less.
0: understand that reference,
6: sure. yeah? <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was it was sort of less chat. I mean, I think the thing that you know kind of got lost was that it. It's hard to be really chatty in a casual way when there's like eight guys on stage waiting to play the next song. I mean, it definitely you know steps on our. I mean, there are literally people just waiting to play. and you kind of have to respect that
2: so i could just play that and this that sums up the whole episode really why am i here <laughs> that baby asked a good question <laughs> yeah She's gonna she's gonna go places. Maybe she's like one of the top journalists now. (laughs) So yeah. So after these like shows in 92 with the tape machine and they they took some time off and they actually auditioned people and I want to announce here and now we talked to to that. We talked to John Feinberg known to fans as J.D. JD. Feinberg though he doesn't really call himself that. D.F. and uh, J.C. talked to J.D. That's right. And He was their first live drummer. And that's no BS. So in all these uh, other clips you're going to hear in this episode, that's John Feinberg, Jonathan Feinberg, playing the drums. Here's a very, very... By the way, fantastic
1: interview. Fantastic interview. I'm giving up the ghost. (laughs)
2: We were very, very giddy with with happiness after... That was a
1: great interview. We stopped recording because it was so fun.
2: Yeah, we were vibing.
1: N apostrophe.
2: Here's a very brief... Little tease of him talking about auditioning for They Might Be Giants, and then the next episode following is going to be his his big interview.
1: Spectacular,
2: a fine man. A fine, a fine fine man, Feinberg. <laughs> That's what they call him.
7: Boy, did I prepare hard. Yeah. yeah. Boy did I. Pre- <laughs> uh uh-huh. Boy did I study. They gave me uh, a tape of 35 songs or so that, you know, this is basically our live repertoire, uh, prepare some of these. I transcribed their stage drum parts for every single one of those songs, note for note, and Mm -hmm. practiced... And learned everything note for note. I didn't make anything my own in any way. I was just like, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm going to make this as comfortable for them as possible. And I went into that audition, and there is no way that either of the other guys, who are both like incredible drummers, probably better than me in lots of ways, but I was. S- I loved their music so much and I wanted it so bad and I was so mm-hmm. well prepared that I think I just kind of pulled them over with that. Wow. Do you remember that audition? Like, Oh yeah, I remember it clearly. It was my first time in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. <laughs> I just remember being really nervous and I remember a moment where I felt a, a, just a moment of hope <laughs> because... They were <laughs> surprised that I knew all of the songs they had given yeah. me. That I was, I was prepared on all of them. Yeah, 35 is a lot. And I was performance prepared. I could have easily gone on stage with them in that moment, and mm-hmm. it would have been fine. Wow. I think I picked up on that at least they were impre- Whether they liked me or thought I was a good player or not, I think they were impressed with my preparation. I think.
2: So, yeah, stay tuned. Next episode for the full-length interview with John Feinberg. He had a very interesting career. We talk a lot about him and They Might Be Giants and what it was like to play with them, but also a lot about his post-TMBG stuff, which I thought was extremely interesting, which Ooh. I don't want to give away. So, something I wish I had is their first show with the band. I, there's no bootleg. You don't have that, you piece of shit? There's no bootleg, but I've got a few shows later, so it's very, very early. It's almost as so good. Hard- <laughs> Dave, it's so hard to impress Dave. Yeah. So their, their first show with the band was June 14th, 1992. And what I've got is June 20th, 1992. Oh, okay. Is that in, good enough for you, Dave? It'll have to do, I guess. It's still the Cut Up Snake Tour. And we're, we're stopping before 93 because that's when John Henry songs start to enter into the thing. And that's when... that's It's actually perfect because December 31st, 92 is... John Feinberg's last show with them. So Mm -hmm. we're really just covering this era. What I found interesting was in these early shows of the live band, like it's something you have to mention on stage Mm -hmm. because it's not normal. Uh, Yeah, true. (laughs) So let's let's listen to some of that because I I found this amusing. Because like I said, a normal band doesn't have to be like, (laughs) We're alive. Oh, this is weird. We have a band.
0: show um well they might be giants this is the they
2: might be giants group it's like it's, it's a funny of him calling it the they might be giants group because they could have done something like that where it's like yeah you know because i remember when i my first show with the band they called the i didn't say this was the name But like the person announced us saying Jordan Cooper band. Ah. (laughs) And I remember you or someone was like, oh, that's a good name. But I was Uh, like, I hated it. I thought it sounded like. uh, It
1: should have been the Dave Fox band.
2: I thought it was like the Dave Matthews band kind of thing. Where I was just like, that's such a boring name for a band. Your your name. Well, if the the shoe fits. (laughs) I remember we wanted to call it. We thought about calling it Jordan Cooper and the Slouchabouts.
1: (laughs) I wanted to call it the Exploding Brains. Really? I like, don't remember that.
2: No, I don't. I don't. We almost went with uh, Agent Cooper, which is a oh, Twin Peaks reference and my last name. But yeah. I, just, I just didn't want it to be too referencey because then it's just. I don't like, think
1: anybody was watching it back then.
2: No, it would have been more novel back then because it, it yeah. hadn't been revived. I'm
1: gonna do an EP of the Exploding Brains. Nobody take that. Yeah, yeah. Copyright Dave Fox.
2: I have a band I want to do called Cum Bucket. As Dave knows, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted Good luck with that. <laughs> I wanted to make an EP of gross out songs that were just the oh, most I think it's working. The most disgusting things I could possibly think of mm. and call it cumbucket. And I I had started to write one and then I just was like, What am I doing?
1: I wanted to do a Misfit style pastiche band, I guess you call it.
2: What was the name of that gonna be?
1: Six Demon Bag. That's right. Big Trouble in yeah, Little China Ravens. But I found out there was a Six Demon Bag band. Yeah. I would still love to just be the singer of a Misfits cover band straight up anyway.
7: Yeah, that that'd seems be a fun. lot of fun. Mm-hmm.
1: Drink a couple beers, sing a couple songs, <laughs> make a little love. Yeah. <laughs> go home.
2: <laughs> Take a load off on the couch. Yeah. Just ch- chill out. This is from July 4th, 92. They're explaining to the-
1: America's birthday. (laughs) That's
2: right. Uh, They're explaining to the audience what's going on. Happy birthday, America. Why there are strangers on the stage with them.
0: This is our new band. We just, uh, we just finally got these guys. That's Mr. Tony Mamoni on bass guitar. The Incredible Tony Chicago Chicagoan John J.D. Feinberg, drums, and standing at over a thousand feet tall, it's Kurt Cardinal Hoffman, woodwinds and keyboards. I'm John. This is John. I
2: love it. He realized he wasn't being <laughs> exciting enough. <laughs> yeah. When he yeah, and this was uh, a Kurt is tall. He is tall. That's that's right, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean look, we've seen them live tons of times and Yeah, they're pretty good. And but th- I w- <laughs> I will say we've though we've seen a duo show of them. That was w- good one too. One of the most excited I've ever been was the duo shows yeah. that I went to uh at Irving Plaza in yeah. the late nineties because holy shit. But but I you know that was it's exciting in a different way. You know, it's just different. Cause I also think a, a guy a solo Performer is exciting if you're a fan of theirs. Right. Um, if you're not, it fucking sucks. Like a
1: solo Frank Black.
2: Yeah, I was going to say solo Frank Black like is great because he's he's a little it's looser. A yeah. He he changes yeah. it up. Like I went to one of those shows, and actually a solo Frank Black show I saw was way better than one I saw with him having a band. You weren't there, but
1: I wasn't there. Was
2: a particularly lackluster uh, backing band that night that he didn't have for very long, but it was like right. very disappointing. I was like literally standing there, just like. It's like sad
1: <laughs> hey look it, it's not gonna be sunshine all the time right kitties you know like i always say
2: <laughs> yeah that's right oh boy <laughs> um now i looked at dave with a. <laughs> yeah
1: feels good to be on the other end huh <laughs> yeah
2: a few interesting things they did at some of those early band shows this really jumped out at me so i played you before that statue got me high that was very robotic and mm-hmm. stuff Here's a weird uh, change that they did to the way "Statue Got Me High" starts, and then we could also just hear how much better it is with a band. But 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 check this out. <laughs> So it's funny, when I heard that, I thought the mp3 was broken, because it really sounds like it's just looping. Um, They did that a few times, and, you know, that would be something you'd have to program on the tape. Not worth it. Exactly. (laughs) No, exactly. And that's something you could just literally say to the band. It would take 10 seconds, Mm -hmm. especially if they're really pros. I just think having a band is more fun because you can like...
1: Is it? Is that what you think? ...change?
2: Well, if you're successful and have all the (laughs) resources that they did.
1: That's what's missing.
2: Yeah. The other thing I I want to talk about badly, Dave, I'm aching. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. That's my new catchphrase, right? I'm aching. It works on multiple... Welcome to
1: Don't Let's Start at Night. After dark. Yeah. What are you aching for? I mean, Tell me. <laughs> I'm, I'm aching, aching to know.
2: I'm aching to talk about how fucking crazy the crowd's got. I know we played mm-hmm. clips of the crowd scaring them before, but and now that, <laughs> that the,
1: sentence alone is funny. No, I
2: know. <laughs> but now they have a band, and like I said, now it's okay. Now it's like five against uh, a thousand instead <laughs> of two against It's a little better. A little right. odds. If you're a gang warrior, True. you want a few more people on your side, and you've got the more amps, you've got a bass player, you know, smashing things up. I want to talk about how crazy the shows got to the point uh, so I have a term where I when I log their shows that I call crowd control which means mm-hmm. they're, just, they're they're yelling at the audience I keep to keep it fun for you to stop um, misbehaving at their shows all right so we're going to this is the this is the crowd control segment and I really <laughs> think without a live band this some of this stuff might not have happened
4: okay hey,
2: settle here. Here's another settle down folks (laughs) from (laughs) Linnell. I just like all of them. I'm sorry if it's repetitive, but I just, it, it makes me laugh.
0: Any new cool stuff on the, on the stage to get. Okay. Settle down, folks. It's a fun show. We're having
1: a nice time. I don't know why you'd want them to settle down.
2: Well, I think the, they're throwing stuff on the stage, I think, what was going on. So then, one of the biggest hmm. ways that they want them to settle down is that they want them to stop <laughs> moshing and they want them to stop crowd surfing, which they call...
0: Now, what is the sort of ritual that they do at the concert now? Uh, well, there are young kids today who like to pass each other around over their heads. And for some reason, they do it at our shows, which we always thought was particularly weird when we're playing like quiet, folky, acoustic numbers. Now, when you say pass each other around, perhaps well, the, Those perhaps not quite, uh, We We refer to it as pass the dude <laughs> in this band.
5: Sort of
6: so you mean, each each other pick up, the person up yeah, and pass them yeah. See, we try to sort of, we set, do the set list, like, you know, quiet song, moderate, you know, then the sort of thrash metal right. rocker number, you know, it's like paced out that way. And and usually by the time that like all the dudes get hoisted up, it's like
5: right at the sort of, we're back at the right. power ballad part. Okay, well, now that you explain it, it all makes sense. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, how not good at interviews is Jay Leno, Dave? Cause he just says- On a says, scale of
1: one to uh, ugh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> what the, because like he just asked them about past the dude by just going like ah, I hear there's a, a this is my terrible Leno and he, I think everyone on the planet yeah. can do a better Leno than me um, but he's just like oh I hear there's a thing people do Show. He didn't
1: hear that by the way no he, he didn't hear that and <laughs> that's he's, disingenuous it's just
2: such a it's such an obvious like it's almost like he should have said talk about this now yeah. like there was, <laughs> there's no conversational aspect of it you know yeah anyway, he sucks. I just wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I think our interviews are better. Yeah, This is the Pass the Dude segment, okay. everyone. I've been looking forward to this ever since we started the podcast. I can tell. There's a lot of Passing the Dude. There's a lot of moshing at their shows. See, that's so funny because it's just yeah, so yeah,
1: common yeah. at the shows I've been attending. Like having a since, band is
2: common. I, yeah, this since I've been 15 new, years old. Yeah, so like this is new territory for them. And yeah. they've never what they're reacting to is the crowd reacting to real drums and and bass and right. a groove i mean it's really you've got you've got like a rhythm section that's inspiring people to go fucking crazy Do and think- also we're entering and this is perfect cuz this is a pre john henry episode really we're entering the grunge era we're entering right. more hard sort of mainstream hard rock yeah, that's yeah. kind of like a little more um brooding and mm-hmm. and a little more aggressive but it's kind of It's like what's popular, you know, kind of thing. Do you think
1: people would not be moshing or uh, crowd surfing if they had the tape tape? machine?
2: I think less. I think some still did, but I I think less because like I've listened to... It
1: just seems stupid. to do that to my
2: point is stupid or the (laughs) no no, it just seems
1: stupid to do that to a tape machine and not drums
2: (laughs) oh yeah i mean i don't know (laughs) well here's the thing i can imagine ironic moshing to the Mm -hmm. tape machine which fans they might be giants fans are right along with them with the irony Mm -hmm. in the audience i've noticed at a lot of shows especially when you're you're deep in it and when you're in a crowd there Mm -hmm. can be some kind of jokey moments as a crowd like you're singing along something kind of weird and you know Though I think in general I prefer the sincere like singing along to like she's an angel or something like a very nice sweet moment But like sometimes you're singing along to like something Mr. Mm-hmm. Claw or something and you're <laughs> you're just like what this is You know, there's there's definitely like a layer of, of irony to doing that in a way though You are sincerely loving those songs. Yeah, too. I love
1: Mr. Claw. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what I mean, though
6: Thank you very much. Here We got one special request We'd like to keep on rocking you all night, so if you jump on stage, that's the end of the show, okay? That's the deal. We get the microphones and the lights, you guys get to jump around in front all you want, but that's
5: the deal. As it's too fucked up if you fuck it up. Thank you very much. That is your last announcement for the evening.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think having... I actually think like having band members on the stage with them is almost like seems like an invitation to some of the more rowdy people. Like, oh, there's a bunch of people on stage. Let me go on stage. So like so speaking of all this, it's like have you ever crowd surfed? No, no, have you? You did, right? Not crowd surfed,
1: no. Moshed. Plenty. Moshed. You've moshed. Moshed dance, rocked. I've never moshed. I've never jumped off a stage and crowd surfed. That's a little scary to me. I've had people do that
2: near me, and I've had people oh, yeah, get, of course. get injured near me. And I've
1: I've been kicked in the head a few times. Yeah, you
2: got kicked in the head. I was with people at a show that where they got kicked in the head. I like, don't care about that. They might be giant's opening act once kicked someone I know in the head. Cool, uh, cool from dude. the stage, which was mean.
1: <laughs> I don't I don't know if I have I don't know if I could let go and just trust people to carry me like that.
2: Oh yeah, I mean in in, in most things in life. Yeah, in life. Yeah, I mean that's your big problem.
1: I got to carry my damn self.
2: The, I've I've never... Mo- yeah, I can't
1: imagine you crowd surfing.
2: Crowd surfing seems a little fun, but moshing to me seems like just kind of... Un- I don't like... like So here's how far I go. When I'm at a concert, I don't even like feeling someone's shoulder brushing right. against me. So the moshing... Though I guess moshing is such the extreme that it almost becomes <laughs> like you're... It's, like, so over the – it's so past the line of someone's shoulder brushing you that it's, like, it's different. That, that, you get like used it. to it.
1: I've moshed as recently as 2019. Or I've been next to them. I should say I didn't really get in the pit, but I was – me and Chrissy went to see Bad Religion. That the was her pit. first
2: – You're so, you're so uh, <laughs> informal with this stuff.
1: That was the first time she's ever seen Bad Religion. She was nice enough to humor me and uh, – I was afraid she was going to get punched in the face. Yeah,
2: well, it's smashing <laughs> um, scary.
1: So the, the pit was right next to us, uh, but it was really fun. And me and Daniel went to Canada and yeah. saw Bad Religion, and we were in the the first few rows, which like the – Circle pit, I'd say it was like behind us. Yeah, um but we were definitely like crushed and uh punched the whole time, and it was fucking fun as shit.
2: I've always been fragile and and scrawny, and like there was
1: like a ten year old there, so I don't know. Well, no, there's there's several reasons (laughs) why
2: I'm saying my excuse. (laughs) It's also like I said, it's it's sort of like I just don't like strangers touching anything. Like it's it's really that's a lot of it, and and being introverted, and I mean I don't even like going to shows really because I yeah there's so many people around me but
1: the thing is the show was so good you kind of like let those defenses down and mm-hmm. it does become like a communal thing yeah where really it looks violent but everybody's like very much taking care of each other for the most part like if someone falls down you pick them up and like there are there is etiquette you know yeah in a weird way
2: well it's funny you say that because they might be giants don't see it that way at all and i, <laughs> and I think they sp- specifically have seen people um being hurt as, yeah. as we'll hear in this clip
1: well, I don't condone anybody getting hurt. I just want to say legally.
2: <laughs> okay. And by the way, I found I find the the context of this and then in, into what the next song is to be very funny because it's just the nerdiest possible uh, follow up to what's happening here.
0: Okay. Apparently, some people are getting um, accidentally kicked in the head by uh, the people who are being passed around. So we we strongly advise that you stop doing that, even though it it's. Uh, Really fun, I'm sure. And I apologize for having to do this, but people actually do get hurt a lot. So please stop. This song is called "Dinner Bell."
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. It's- dinner <laughs> bell. people get them in into it. a frenzy <laughs> but it's true i have been at shows where people uh, have gotten hurt i've gotten hurt just from uh they might be trying to crowd standing <laughs> shoving me yeah. kind of pushing me into me and it's made me feel like i'm gonna like throw up mm-hmm. one thing i want to talk about in this thread is this seems to happen a lot during twisting the crowd yeah. surfing and stuff and this is also just a great example of what the live band brings to a song like twisting because there's certainly a lot of examples of them doing twisting with the drum machine live, but just like listen to how twisting kind of ends here and, mm. then, and then what they say. <laughs>
0: Caution everybody not to hurt the people next to you like we do a lot of the time when it looks like people are going to get into the thing of throwing other people around as though they were sports equipment or something. You know, it's probably a lot of fun for some people. We'd also
6: like to caution people who are thinking about jumping off the balcony. It's a really bad idea and people don't want to catch you. So uh, yeah, please uh, let's let's forego the, the mosh pit activity because
2: we see too many smashed up teeth. So I mean uh, yeah, see Dave <laughs> Dave's nodding his head because it's so funny for a yeah. band to tell people to stop. Moshing, I mean, it's almost like saying stop dancing. It's almost like it's, saying
1: stop liking us.
2: Yeah It's like saying stop being so excited. Yeah. When did moshing start because this is 92 probably started in 1979 yeah. <laughs> Old-timey 1800s when uh, yeah. the Sex Pistols came over
1: from That's the UK. Right. I don't know. I'm sure it was around the 80s.
2: Yeah, because I think to them It's like very strange to see yeah. a lot and also I think this again I really think this didn't happen until they they got a band Here's one more clip of, of the anti-moshing. Uh, they're almost like a politician or something, right? Or as you said, a Do mo- not a mosh. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Please stop the mosh
0: pit.
6: Can't have peace in Poughkeepsie. How can we have peace in uh, the outer boroughs of New York City? Please, lay and
0: gentlemen. Get the rat. I don't know what I don't know what you guys are talking about. Hey, hey, stop saying get the rat. Stop saying that.
1: How can you not mosh during, during the famous, famous polka? polka? That's awesome. I don't think they're as stringent with that now. Or I think probably the years that they were saying stop moshing didn't last very long. I mean, we've been to a well, pretty rough... The first <laughs> show I went to with you guys, yeah. that New Year's show, that was like getting crushed and really everybody kind of shoving well, around What and I stuff. find
2: now is their audience is like Too old old, old <laughs> people or little kids <laughs> and like yeah. nothing in between, kind of like the Simpsons characters. <laughs> it's like there's yeah. no like... 20-somethings anymore at their shows, it feels like. I mean, no, there is, but I'm just saying my point of view is like... Your
1: choices are break a hip or (laughs) break a kid's face. like, yeah,
2: go to jail for (laughs) just killing a little child. With Pass the dude and moshing, I think the the thing I, I really wanted to bring up is is their their buddy and our our one of our favorite musicians Frank Black. Yeah, he named a song yep. after this, and and he, he has awesome. a he has a song called "Mosh Don't Pass the Guy." Yeah, and it's based on Flansburg. and here's him saying that.
0: He also very close to myself, and we wouldn't want them to get kicked in the head by uh, big boots or something, so. Do it old school, maybe you've not seen the old documentaries, I realize, but do it old school, they used to call it a pogo, go up and down like this, but... Uh, I guess I should stop talking. I'll take a break, I'm a little hoarse tonight, I'm not gonna leave the stage, but let's do Mosh. In the words of uh, John Flansburg from They Not Be Giants, Mosh, but please, don't pass the gun.
2: So I guess Frank Black must have seen Flansburg encourage people to mosh, but no, not. I was gonna
1: say he was before he was saying don't mosh either. Don't
2: mosh at all. So we've got. Here's,
0: See, he he here, here's, changed. Yeah, here's
2: my guess. I think he did change, <laughs> and I think what happened was he's like, if you have to pick one, <laughs> fine, mosh, yeah. but just Harm stop, reduction. stop having people like get kicked in the head yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, So to me I mean For for a certain kind of They might Giants fan The don't pass the dude And mosh stuff Has been like this Narrative for them For a while That I find very interesting So something
1: What do you have Microfiche there? Yeah yeah. Jesus Christ
2: (laughs) Something I found I found this old uh, Review Of (laughs) They might Giants show This is uh, This is from September 11th Sorry 1992 It should be So this is from The Observer It's like a
1: clip from Seven
2: Yeah (laughs) It's like a, it's an old like scan of a newspaper and it looks like I'm trying to find an old serial killer. Thing. Oh, look at that
1: title. Yeah. So I've there's never heard before.
2: There's a headline called Indeed They Are Giants. Um Well, Dave, I can report from <laughs> Twitter that... Everyone makes these jokes still every Ooh. single day, 500 times a day. <laughs> bodies flying. Yeah. Oh, where is that? That's what I'm trying to find.
1: I, it's so funny. My eye went oh, here right you go. to it.
2: So in this article, th- they say... But
1: the band didn't want bodies to fly.
2: This, Yeah. This writer says, but the band didn't want bodies to fly in a move which must have soothed the university risk management team <laughs> like a Quaalude and warm milk. Guitarist John oh. Flansburg threatened to stop playing if stage diving and slam dancing became prevalent in the mm. area immediately facing the stage. The might Giants have been making this request throughout their current tour. And indeed, Flansburg left the stage during the band's encore when a stage diver raised his ire. That's a hard sentence to say, diver ire.
1: I don't care for this man's writing. <laughs> I, I'm sure he didn't raise his ire. I don't think that happened.
2: I've seen shoddy I, journalism. I, I can see that happening
1: you could see someone raising their ire.
2: So yeah, like that that's an article from that time. I actually found a good number of articles from that time which are interesting that mm. that also like had some interesting quotes about them st- having a band and stuff. Let me let me read a few, Dave.
1: Oh, uh, free Country.
2: This one caught my eye because uh they're talking about now having a band and Frank says, "And man, it's loud. Bone-crushingly loud." Mm-hmm. Kind of like, "Man, it's so loud in yeah. here," you think? Cool. He goes, "We felt like we were being too well understood by rock critics as to why they changed up what they were doing." Then he says, we've been touring for five years with essentially the same format. We wanted to spice up the tour in some way. Why not take the big leap? Mm -hmm. He's like, we don't do long jam sessions. The The arrangements are basically the same, he says.
1: We kind of glossed over this, but I think it's a much bigger deal to have a band... In the studio environment than in the live oh, yeah. environment.
2: Well, we glossed over because that's kind of going to be the yeah. art. John Henry. Basically, yeah, yeah. the idea of this episode is I'm like saving us like <laughs> two Couple hours, hours. Yeah. from John Henry part one because you can't like now we can skip all this and go right to yeah. recording with the band. But yeah, yeah. You're,
1: you're welcome, listeners.
2: Yeah, well, during this, I did want to bring it up that during this time they recorded the uh, o Tannenbaum and Christmas cards, and we talked to JD Feinberg about recording o Tannenbaum. so you'll hear yeah. you'll hear that in our next episode. And we talked to Brian Doherty about Christmas cards, yes. pretty in depth. So I which feel I'm like really happy we did. Yeah, and we also talked about both those songs in our Christmas episode, yeah. which is our fourth episode of this show. So I feel like we don't need to rehash that, but it is their first recordings with the band, yeah. so it is notable to mention at least. I feel
1: like there'd be more growing pains in a studio at Atmosphere, mm-hmm. having to rely on other people with stuff like that, yeah. you're going to lay down forever, you know. And at least me, I think I'd get really uptight about that aspect if I was only yeah. used to one writing partner or just one person. Yeah. But with live, it's like you just read in that uh, article—they're basically doing the songs except with a full band. It's the, all the, yeah. the, the materials written.
2: Yeah, especially you know, I noticed bec- um, in finding clips for for John Feinberg's interview, I'm just like, wow, he is nailing the drum parts like it's crazy he sounds like he sounds like the drum machine plus like you know real life like a real Mm -hmm. like vitality and energy you know but like he's really getting every single hit you know down as he talks about he learned all those songs you'll hear yeah i remember yeah i was there
6: sky. What's the reason why you
2: go Here's another quote from one of the articles, which I just thought was an interesting little He goes, these are odd songs that wouldn't be expected to work, but something like Piece of Dirt sounds great with a band. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, sometimes a full band, we've been talking a lot about the crazy rock songs like Twisting and stuff, mm-hmm. or the big hit, you know, singles, and anth- anthemic singles. Mm-hmm. But they're great for ballads and slower songs too because they feel more, they do feel more sincere, Warm. which is weird because, you know, there's these early shows where they did like, I've got a match to like the drum machine. And it's not like it sounds insincere, but... Just, it's
1: not undelicious.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the. Well, that's why it's always fun to talk about. It's always fun to talk about. They might be giants. That's always always. Um, we're always smiling, everyone, because of these weird contradictions. Like I'm, I know, I I know, I like um, cancel out the thing I just said all the time. Like I'm like <laughs> it's sincere, but it is sincere, but it, but it's just kind of what the band is. My favorite kind of art is where you can't quite put in, you can't quite nail it down, you can't quite mm. figure it out. It's not so simple to. To um, explain or, or think, uh, every time I think I, I understand something about the Giants, I question myself. And that's kind of why. Yes. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Or Dave questions me. Yes.
5: <laughs> you know, next time you're feeling blue, and you're feeling a little bit shitty, just think back on
6: this next song and you'll realize it could be worse. The song is called Piece of Dirt.
4: He's a devil
2: Another quote from Flansburg I found in one of these old uh, interviews, it says, although he admits that a few fans miss the manic intimacy of the Giants' old duo performances, that's a good way of putting it, Hmm. by the way, he finds most appreciate the band's expansion, and then he says it's worked out really well. Part of it is we have the luxury of being able to work with musicians who are better than us, Hmm. so it's not holding us back technically. I mean, we don't do technical music, but some of it's kind of sophisticated in its arrangements. That's a really good yeah. point too, and something right. that I, I utilized <laughs> in my Hi. band, having Dave, who's a better musician than me, Thank you. play oh, wow. bass, and my drummer. Oh I mean, come on! In comparison to how well I play guitar, Dave plays his his bass better than I play my guitar, and and Chris, our drummer, plays his drums Chris
1: is fantastic.
2: leagues better than how I how well I play my guitar.
1: It was a pleasure to be in the rhythm section with him. Very we, fun.
2: Yeah. So it's like I've always we tried, miss you, Chris. I've always. What? <laughs> He's our biggest fan. He's definitely going to hear this. Um, True. Uh, it's a it's a good technique. One time, um, yeah. a friend of mine, so at the time, said something like, "Oh yeah, like." I feel like your stuff will be really good with kind of like an amateur drummer. And like, I really bothered me when Mm. when he said that because I was just like, no, my stuff should be great sounding. Like I was just kind of like very like, why would I want someone who's like not that great to play on my songs?
1: With our latest drummer, we were looking for two years. Again, like you said, a lot of nice people, a lot of them just couldn't keep up with the music yeah didn't have the technical chops and yeah. um yeah i mean carl's an amazing guitar player i'm always working with really great musicians mm-hmm. and it does make you better so they're right no like, that's you don't want to work with someone that you're always just like oh why can't they get this
2: yeah 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 i became a better rhythm guitarist to to keep make yeah. sure they and just it's like could a follow friendly, me.
1: friendly competition thing too it's like you want to be as good as they are and then you guys keep topping each other and
2: yeah yeah I want to talk about a few of the traditions at these shows from nine in in 92. One of the big traditions, well, it's kind of two, they're kind of both the same thing, but they did Stump the Band, is Mm -hmm. when this started, and Spin the Dial. Right. And even though they've been doing these for other tours and even recently, the whole point of this is you can't do that with a tape. Right. Um, You could do it without any other band members, and it'd probably be fun. Right. But, like, to actually have a live band, like, they they thought of ideas where it's like, okay, what could they do? What can we have them do with us? And one of those things is more improvisational, more more chaotic even, which I really like.
5: Uh, And you guys take requests as well?
6: Yeah, we have a portion of the show where we take requests from the audience. We actually ask for uh, songs we don't know how to play.
5: Really? So this way, when you don't play them, you're covered. Oh, no, we play them. Oh, I see. Yeah, we played, like,
6: Free Bird and, you know. Oh, I see you are my sunshine i'm a believer
2: stump the band uh, so they asked the uh, they asked the audience to yell stuff out uh, it's as insane sounding as <laughs> as you imagine like a a, th- a thousand people yelling out song titles let's listen to, to one of these
0: well it's it's time now for that part of our show some of you already think you know what i'm about to say well, you're right. It's time for Stumped, the band, the part of the show where the American Giants tries to play a song that it can't play, that it is never played. Up. Let's keep going. Mr. Klansberg will now solicit one request from one the audience. And we'll have to play it, whether you like it or not. Or not. Status
6: quo is the band.
5: More than
6: the We're sitting up here
5: working
2: so you hear how just insane everyone's yelling out stuff it's pretty crazy and it, they they're doing kind of a push and pull with the audience because they're being like they're telling them to yell out yeah. a bunch of shit and then they kind of chastise them like, okay, everyone, one at a time. It's like, come on. Can't you Can't know, have it both you, ways. You know what you're asking for here, guys. Here's, here's where they ended up doing pictures of Matchstick Men, which is a, oh, a fantastic wow. song. And they do a pretty good version of it for not knowing how to play it. And they actually have a little twist in it that I thought, that I think you're gonna like, Dave. Mm-hmm. Blended two songs together really, really well. Oh. And then what they would do at Stump the Band, Dave, listen to my listen to me teach you. I'm have been listening. Listen to me teach you. Um, look at me. They'd <laughs> they often go into uh, see the constellation, which ah. I wish that was still a tradition. And then the, the psychedelic part of see the constellation. They'd bring the song, they'd bring the cover back. And it's always really cool how they do that. So I'll play you a little of that. Bring it back. So there's there's been a lot of stump the bands and in fact I, I i did find a lot of examples that are like unrecorded but uh in these articles a lot of these reviews of their early shows takes note of the stump the band mm-hmm. thing one of the articles i found from the la times in 92 mm-hmm. says stump the band segment yielded an initially halting ultimately triumphant you've lost that love and feeling the
1: failing la times
2: flow flans <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I
1: waited too long to say that. No,
2: that's okay. Fla- uh, <laughs> F- Flansburg, uh, in one of these other articles, says we did "You Sexy Thing" by Hot Chocolate. Except, we except we played it over the chords to "Let It Be." <laughs> that sounds amazing. Does yeah. anyone have that bootleg? I want to hear that. Two days ago, your voice
1: gets extra nerdy when you ask that. for
2: bootleg. Well, when I'm wi- when I want something, <laughs> I revert to like a little five year old. I want the Ghostbusters toy. <laughs> I have a one of my earliest memories is being in Toys R Us. No, listen. I think mm-hmm. my mom I think my mom's carrying me. That's how that's how okay. young I am. And she's Buckle in, folks. And she's <laughs> with a friend from work or something, a mm-hmm. friend, and I'm crying wanting a Ghostbusters toy. And there's a part that in my head a lot. that feels embarrassed that the, <laughs> her friend is witnessing this. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I actually remember that feeling being like, Good. I'm doing this in front of someone
1: else. I'm glad you have that early feeling of shame. Yeah. <laughs> you should tap into that more often. <laughs> yeah.
2: So here's another article where Flansberg explains that two days ago in Poughkeepsie we got a request for Desperado. It came out okay, although I didn't know any of the words. We just kind of made up new words. Desperado
6: You better come to your senses Better burn up your fancies Before I come
5: around Desperado I can see into your future Cause I
6: talk in the middle of an eagle song it's a special kind of poisonous vibe that makes people just get really angry
2: so then the article says when the rick james hit super freak was requested <laughs> at one show flansberg was scolded by a fan for singing the line she's got interwine <laughs> she's got intertwining candles a lyric he thought actually was in the song Then Flansburgh says I never understood the line I thought it was like Some kind of strange reference To those candles That curve around one another Evidently he's saying Incense, wine, and candles So I thought that was A a cute little anecdote From from the early 90s This is I think One of the coolest examples Of Stump the Band Uh, And I'm not even going to say What they play Because it's it's a a surprise But check this out
4: Thank you Thank you
6: we yeah, yeah. tonight! Okay, folks, this is a portion of the show that uh, we shed the name They Might Be Giants and, and transform ourselves into Stump the Band. That's right, Stump the Band. In the past, we've done Stairway to Heaven, Free Bird, You Are My Sunshine, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh, A lot of other songs like that one, or those four or five that I mentioned, I can't remember. I'm just gonna come up to one individual, and they're going to whisper the song in my ear.
2: So if you'll just hear in the audience, uh, everyone, for some reason, a big crowd of people yell Dukes of Hazard," mm-hmm. And I, I was, um, my fiance was in the room when I was listening to this stuff. And she just had a comment where she was just like, it's so weird how much things change. It's like, she's like, could you imagine yeah. <laughs> that, that happening today? Yeah, Everyone going like Dukes of Hazard." What do you think people would yell out today, Dave?
1: They would yell out. Uh, Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah. No, uh, loving the Confederate flag never goes out of style. <laughs> That's the Dukes of Hazard. They had a Confederate flag on their car. Oh! It's about a bunch of
2: Southern racists. Wow! <laughs> I don't know. I've never watched the show. I just thought it was a normal show. <laughs> I thought it was a show for the nice people. No, mm. <laughs> it's deeply disturbed.
6: And, and but then there's a strong contingent for the 1812 series. They'd like to perform for you now
2: wait so check out how great this version gets they really like learn it as they're playing it and then jd like picks up the beat and you'll you'll hear
1: thanks for explaining the clip
2: that's what i do (laughs)
1: History's never been so fun
2: <laughs> Yeah, to see your grandma's revolution. Like, how awesome was that? I'm sorry. It's great. I was actually, like, moved hearing that. Like, that made me feel very <laughs> patriotic. Makes me want to read a book. <laughs> yeah. That's just, like, of a Of some sort. I wish we talked to JD about that, actually, because, I mean, he might not remember, but...
1: Let's get him back on the horn.
2: One of the more um, fan-favorite Stump the Bands was actually not at a live show, but on a, a radio show. I believe it might have been K-Rock. So check this. This is something that is like went around with fans for a while. And I knew this from having a, this is actually from my cassette uh, recording. So this is from a, a bootleg that a fan had sent to me on cassette. And this is from that cassette and check this out. Say cassette again.
0: <laughs> It worked. Oh, I don't know. A good, like two thirds of the time. We came up with some versions of songs that reminded one of the original so, you know, we, we could can, we can try to do that now on the phone. We've already done um, Stairway to Heaven,
6: Ring of Fire, You Are My Sunshine, <laughs> Light My Fire, I'm a Believer,
0: Freebird, New York,
5: New York. You don't
6: want to do these, these right. songs.
0: Well. We okay. We've already we, got these on our have got belt. them totally down.
5: Can I hear a little bit of, of uh, I'm a Believer? Just to, just to see how... There you go. Oh, okay. Please. All right. Well, that was a little bit. How about Ring of Fire? Same thing, right? <laughs> so that was, you know, the basic thing. All right. So you're, you're, uh, you're in a sense challenging uh, the idiots delight audience to come up with songs that you don't. know Anytime, any place, anywhere, anytime. Right now. Right now. Right now. 212-955-9292. Well, you want to just take the calls on the sure. air? Sure, sure. Why
0: not? Yeah. Right.
5: We'll see if, well, now I can't, you know. No, no, we know. Sometimes people say, like, uh, I want your sex by George Michael, and we have <laughs> to hang up the phone. <laughs> All right, this is K-Rock. Do you have a request for the be Giants?
0: Yeah. Okay, what is it? I want to hear them do it Smells Like Teen Spirit. Smells like tea spirit. Okay. Oh, okay.
5: You you want to stay on the phone and, and listen or you want to hang up you want to do the harmony part? No, I'll, I'll, I'll go listen. Okay, right. okay,
0: okay, bye. So do okay. we start from the wow. quiet
5: part or do you go right into the I think the uh, quiet part, scene. quiet part, yeah. Okay.
0: Because that way we can try and remember how they
5: the other part loud
0: part goes. Was... Okay, John's putting the guitar down, which means it's I am now shouldered <laughs> with the, <laughs> 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 <thinking> the chords <laughs> on the accordion. <laughs> uh, okay. Remember that part?
5: He does this one... Far away, he said, above the clouds, he just makes me wish, 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 wish,
2: it's funny it's like the same bit that weird al did when he made fun of that song right you can't understand the words they are the same band wow sorry guys Uh um yeah later on in that appearance they they (laughs) what's funny to me about this appearance they start the DJ kind of thinks they're doing a marathon of this and Flansburg is just, they're just like, no, we do one and then we play another, but like, let's
5: listen to it a little bit more. Uh, this is K-Rock. Do you have a, a request for The Mighty Be Giants, a song that they can't play? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. D- Kendrick's Fire. What was it? Kendrick's uh, Fire. Uh, no, it's too much like, smells like. Yeah, Fire by Jimmy Kendrick. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. Uh, well, we'd like to, but, but it's, it's too complicated a song. Let's do, let's do another one. <laughs> <laughs> K-Rock, hello. Do you have a request Kendrick. for The Giants? How about uh, I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor?
0: Yeah. Mm, there's an interesting How about fire one. I Will Survive by
5: Jimmy <laughs> 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 See, the cool thing about.
0: What are you doing? Oh, you're
5: doing fire. All right! <laughs> <laughs> that was your favorite. Start no, crazy. <laughs> I can't possibly. You lie at home; am not my concern. Stay with me, and you won't get burned. I have only one itching desire. Let me stand next to your fire. Let me stand next to your fire. Let me stand next to your fire. Oh, fire. Oh, this uh, is Oh, uh, 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 I don't know. Um, oh, now, go. go. Yeah. Walk out the door. <laughs> it's it's time to go to another caller. Right no, I, I don't know how... This, we can't go on. <laughs> like, I wanna, this is well, well, only I wanna last one. one oh, want I want to try, like, like one or, one or two more. Okay, months. we've never yeah. done the multiple one one. request thing. I mean, after the right, well, Smells Like Teen Spirit thing, I'm but, pretty... You know, yeah, you, that was that was good. I mean, that was real good. And you can't possibly lose in this game because you admit up front that you want songs that you can't do. Well, sometimes everybody's a loser in this game, though. Yeah. I mean...
1: Best part of that Jimi Hendrix song is,
2: Move over, Rover.
1: Let Jimi take over.
2: I should listen to more Jimi Hendrix, actually. I once watched, I once, while I was working, put on a concert on YouTube. But when you're working, it's kind of like background. Jimi
1: Hendrix is good. His band is very good.
2: (laughs) I've heard that. His
1: band is insane. They would
2: have to be very good, wouldn't they? Well, it
1: goes back to what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, You gotta keep up with Jimi fucking Hendrix. Yeah. For fuck's sake. I could do it. Mm.
5: I could out-guitar I could play
1: fire. I mean, I could probably... Yeah. improvise that pretty easily.
5: <laughs> K-Rock, you're the last caller. Yeah, hi. Do you have a really cool request for the Giants? Uh, yeah, how about Werewolves of London by Warren Zeevon? Oh, ooh. Ah, okay, there you go. All right, it's even a keyboard, too. Come, Come on, Werewolves on. of London, guys. Oh,
0: oh God. Mm. Something like that. It's like a...
5: You know... <laughs> i think we better stick to our song you like <laughs> <laughs> i changed my mind about this well how did this work in europe we just do one song oh just give it our all on one song it's not oh. almost like
0: an endless and then we instantly after we finish we'd go right into one that oh, we oh, know, nice. know people would forget oh, I, see
5: i misunderstood so the, I, don't I don't know, know. know. i mean oh, you know. let's do the whole thing over then again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The other thing that they they started doing um, on this tour is spin the dial. Here we're going to uh, spin the dial. Let's tune into a song on the radio. Hopefully,
6: we'll uh, be able to figure out which song on the radio we want to play the most, and then voice
5: our obsession upon you. A more raw style to the way he expresses himself. Uh, so he's asked the lonely? Yeah. <laughs>
2: So in Spin the Dial, they would take out a, and they still do this, um, they would take out a radio, try to find a song to cover. So it's a bit different than Stump the Band, but it's the basic concept is the same, which is they're playing a a spontaneous song. I have a few cool examples of that, and they're mostly just funny because Flansburgh just makes up a bunch of words. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll play a little bit for Dave of of this one, Downtown Train by Tom Waits. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do a version of that. That's pretty funny. It's funny because his fake lyrics are more Tom (laughs) Waits-y than the Tom Waits song, which is fairly, uh, a little more normal for Tom, considering for Tom Waits. This is one that I thought was funny. I don't even know which song this is, but he just starts making up like a ballad about a spaceship. And uh, (laughs) I I liked it.
6: I just want you to know we could do the, the the butt song, but it's for ethical reasons we're not gonna do it.
4: <laughs>
6: we want you to know that it's because that song's not very good that we're not gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Will be with you because I did you know I love you along like a spaceship from a cloud quite high above the sea and deep within the sea there are small fish smiling like me and you because I love there's a thing, a daisy, a strange today, because no one can understand a Daisy, no one can talk to a Daisy,
4: because Daisy
5: Children of the future tomorrow look beyond the past to see. We must free the small children and the
4: daisies
1: in the sea. Join me on my ever gliding flight tonight. But first, we'd like to introduce the man to you now. I mean, why couldn't
2: this be? <laughs> they might be song
1: yeah, yeah. about t- flowers torturing. Someone yeah.
2: And then I, this is, I think, one of the cooler, the, I'll, this will be the last Spin the Dial. There's so many out there, and but this is only from 1992, and there's so many. But um, this is a great, they do a great zombie song hey. that is really hey. good, and they do a really pretty damn good job doing that, because you, you can tell Flansburg's a fan of the, of the song because he doesn't really change <laughs> much about it.
1: Must be, like, really happy when they get one randomly that they know.
2: The last thing I want to discuss, Dave, before mm-hmm. I let you go, let you go home <laughs> to your patient wife.
1: My patient bed?
2: One of the, <laughs> the... um
1: My bed is, like, holding up its wrist, like, <laughs> yeah. looking at the time.
2: My m- Going to sleep. My moist bed. Okay, didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you thought it. Uh, is it he a- just says what we're all thinking. <laughs> yeah. They used to cover the song "Frankenstein" by the yeah. by the Edgar Winter Group, and this was a very regular thing at these shows in '92. They also did it for a few years past that, but be, because this is when it started, I wanted to focus on it. And JD Feinberg also <laughs>
1: that's right.
2: JD Feinberg also talked to us yeah. about doing Frankenstein, but but let's listen. I want to just like kind of take it apart a little bit. Um, it's a really awesome instrumental. I'm curious about yeah. why they chose to do it. I don't really have any. Evidence Probably of any of that. Because there's like,
1: besides being really fun, there's like lots of parts to shine for to, each of the musicians to show the band. Yeah. yeah,
2: to show the full band exactly, Dave.
6: There,
2: Let's first listen to some of They Might Be Giants' cover of it, mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll want to play the original version, uh, which uh, is is interesting because it's actually weirder than the They Might Be Giants version. Huh. You'd think that they'd weird it up, but th- but they didn't. But like, yeah, they, there's some really good Frankenstein. Um, this one has a really awesome Flansburg guitar solo mm-hmm. that I'll, I'll highlight here.
4: Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm.
2: So Frankenstein's awesome. Uh, The band is awesome. They really highlight, like you said, it highlights Kurt Hoffman and Mm -hmm. then all of them. Um, It really highlights the drummer because the drummer, that's a crazy solo, which I'm going to do, I'm going to use that clip in John Feinberg's interview episode, which I've already edited actually. So, um, Mm. That's a real he does crazy solo after crazy solo it's at all. It's really these cool shows. like
1: interviewing these people and then going back and listening to what they did at the time. Yeah. And you're almost just like, ah, go, JD. Yeah. No, I
2: know. I feel more go like Go you. Exactly. I feel the same way. You're like um,
1: proud of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. That's right.
2: I'm sure he's very glad that we're proud of him. <laughs> so let's listen to the original Frankenstein. And actually before that, so this is interesting. Frankenstein was by the Edgar Winter group, which is like Edgar Winter. And his group.
1: <laughs> I assume. Yeah,
2: I guess I've. I guess I feel bad because before I said band names like that are boring, but Edgar Winter Group is. He,
1: now look whose well, foot in in he, whose mouth. <laughs>
2: yeah. Here's the thing: Edgar Winter is a cool name. Dave Matthews is not a cool name, and Jordan Cooper is not a cool jo- name. I think
1: Jordan Cooper is a cool name. So.
2: Yeah, that you wouldn't the, the the pussy I got in junior high school. Wow, <laughs> there's a lot of things wrong with that
1: I, sentence. That took a turn. <laughs>
2: Yikes. No, Jordan Cooper is like a fucking name of a lawyer. Or if you look on YouTube, uh, it's a yo-yo champion.
1: I guess I'm partial. You want to hear
2: it it. funny? When uh, a while back on YouTube, there was someone named Jordan Cooper who was touting themselves as the virgin comedian. Wow, that's <laughs> like great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so. I guess I'm biased. Sorry.
2: No, uh, Edgar Winter is a cool name to have. So I would, oh, winter, I would just yeah. like lean into yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Winter is cool. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. I just said that. So, okay. <sighs> Get educated. <laughs> so Frankenstein actually came about because. Because
1: Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, created so here, him. no, here's the Sorry. thing I wanted to talk about. Um, Sorry. The real reason it's called Frankenstein is because it is, it is a mix of a bunch of different uh, ideas that they had mm-hmm. and when they they assembled it together i think one of the band members s- remarked being like oh it's a frankenstein of all the things we did so they just called it frankenstein. that's a real wolfman of a song <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> um that makes no sense
2: what's funny is i i have a recollection of flansberg talking about this and i obviously couldn't find it i remember him this could be this could be a false memory or maybe i read this somewhere else but it was implanted yeah um I remember being
0: abducted. And, yeah.
2: No, um, I remember Flansburg or someone saying that what they thought was interesting about the song is that they called it Frankenstein because Edgar Winter himself is like very tall. He's like a big guy, interesting. His his face is kind of Frankenstein-y, like this mm-hmm. bone structure. And and like, so I remember Flansburg thinking that was the reason it was called that. And, and in a way, it's almost like a, it's Insult? like sad, self, <laughs> like a self-deprecating, yeah. but funny. Yeah, yeah. It had a lot more psychological impact. Hmm. And I wonder if there's something that there anyway, like subconsciously. Sure, sure. But um yes, yes. but so one I'll play one of the first songs that Frankenstein showed up on is this song Edgar Winter did on a solo album before that called? and the song is called Martians. <laughs> and uh check it check out. out, out more it, Edgar Winter. It, it, it kinda sounds like yeah, I was actually thinking that when I was listening to those. It kinda sounds like Frankenstein it also kinda reminded me of like Frank Zappa's stuff that we were listening to. Martians <laughs> <laughs>
1: Incoming transmission... (laughs)
2: So yeah, you see that it's, it sounds almost like Frankenstein. Uh-huh. Um, and then let's listen to the actual Frankenstein. I that. Uh, I'm almost done reading Frankenstein, by the way. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Wow. I'm up to page like 180. I read something. <sighs> so here's the actual Frankenstein by Edgar Winter Group. It's from the 1972 album, They Only Come Out at Night, which is like a horror movie kind of uh, Scary. Uh, title too. So it's very appropriate. So it's funny. I actually wanted to play later in Frankenstein because it gets like really weird, and I want right. I wanted to just like get get that in there, squeeze that in.
1: All right, get it in there. This sounds like a Martian invasion
2: you're right anyways my point is <laughs> it's actually like a weirder song than yeah. they, they might be Giants kind of tightened it up and made it a little <laughs> more polished and mm. a little more uh focused on the riffs and the right. the the musical structure there that is a little more normal <laughs> but yeah I, I think it's cool that they they did this became like a staple for them at these shows the last thing I want to yes. play here is I, I think this captures the joy of They Might Be Giants with the band. And I I love this, it's kind of an unguarded Linnell moment Mm -hmm. where he's really happy on stage. And it's also the perfect song for him to be commenting on. On October 22nd, 92, they performed the guitar. And I believe it was like with uh, special guests, Sid Straw and everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's just a great version and it's really fun. And as the song ends, you can hear what Linnell says.
0: See, that's the difference between live music and recorded music.
4: I think they appreciate the difference.
2: And I, I feel like that sums it up. I feel yeah. like we don't need to say anything more. Everyone, this is... Ever? Ever. Oh. <laughs> the show's over. Everyone. Dave looks so relieved for a second. This has been a glimmer
1: of hope in my dead eyes.
2: Don't Let's Start, a podcast about Dave's dead eyes. And we have, uh, oh, we've got so many things. Don't Let's Pod is our Twitter. Keep up with us there. I say things to people. I try to not argue with anybody, uh, which is weird for Twitter.
1: How refreshing.
2: We've got an email. Did you like this episode? Email us if you did at Don't Let's Start pod, And don't if you didn't. Don't Let's Start (laughs) Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I'll probably reply, and Dave might reply, right? If you're lucky. This is sort of the negative part, negative three or whatever of John Henry. We're building up, we're ramping up because there's just too much to talk about with them getting a band. Too much show. It's a radical change for they might be giants, and we're gonna ho- hold your hands all the way through it. Your hand, like the if you're little lucky, babies that you are, my little precious babies. <laughs> Our next episode will be our interview with Jonathan Feinberg. Hear his fly-on-the-wall perspective of They Might Be Giants getting a band for the first (laughs) time. (laughs) Jonathan Feinberg. They Might Be Giants getting a band for the first time. And that that early tour, his his special, it was about six months with They Might Be Giants, which seems a short time, but... You know,
1: it, but oh, so crucial, but very
2: important. Yeah. And it's just such a he is, by the way, he's just hilarious. It's yeah. a really fun conversation. Fun yeah. After that, we're going to um, I believe we're going to go into the why does the sunshine EP because that comes before John Henry. And nice. that's really the first big project with a band that they did besides the Christmas thing, which they kind of yeah. threw together, <laughs> to be honest. And then we're going to tackle John Henry. And uh, oh my God. It's going to be fun. I'm really excited about it. I'm probably just going to say, this song's great. Yeah. (laughs) This song's great. We love those songs.
1: This song Um, is also great. But
2: now we got this all out of the way. Uh, Yeah, fuck it. We can focus. (laughs) Fuck this
1: episode all right well thanks for listening everyone
2: thanks for listening and keep on glistening <laughs> this has been <laughs> don't let's start a oh, podcast no oh, but before we go uh, dave you look like you want to say something
4: nope <laughs> So